one of these days I have to plan my workout to not be right after we record so that I can actually join you and have a beer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Would it be that bad if I had a beer and then went directly to the gym and I don't even want to try that? Hey guys, welcome to the Command Edit Podcast. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you as a listener and just as a human being. Uh, Thank you for subscribing and plugging us in. This is going to be episode number six coming at you. Uh, I am uh, Nick Montgomery and you are? I am Josh Short and you are listening to the podcast about editing and life. This is a place where we analyze editors, editors thoughts, habits, and best practices in order for you to create better videos and lead happier, more fulfilled lives. I think we're finally getting it down. (laughs) And we also speak good. (laughs) Yes, we speak good uh, once in a while. We English very good, very well. Yeah. So today we've got a couple topics that we're going to be talking about, going through the rundown, uh, talking about uh, how to keep your edit suite in tip-top shape. Uh, it's occurred to me in the last week that uh, I like to talk about you know, fitness and mental health and all those sorts of things, but um, uh, I, ha- I had some issues with my computer this past week that uh, reminded me that, uh, you know, your edit suite is your, your loyal partner in work uh, as you work, so you have to keep in mind that uh, it too has a health status and you've got to maintain that otherwise it doesn't work that well for you so we'll be talking about how to do that and josh what what else will we be talking about today i'm going to talk a little bit about workarounds and duct taping projects together Uh, so we'll get into that a little bit later in the podcast fantastic Uh, for a moment to shamelessly plug our own uh, our own wares uh i uh you may not be aware of this, but uh, this is not the only podcast that I host. I also host another podcast that I've run for about four years now called the Limited Release Podcast. And it's a show where uh, I review uh, web series and other uh, independent productions available on the web and uh, regularly interview filmmakers about their craft. And uh, just recently, uh, last night actually, I was interviewed on uh, another podcast uh, about mine. So uh, the podcast I was on was called Surfing Aliens, and uh, it's very similar to Limited Release. Uh, we've often partnered together. So anyways, I uh, had a good chat on that episode, and uh, if you're interested in the world of web entertainment, that episode will be out this weekend, uh, this weekend being Saturday, so and, and end of third week of April. Yeah. Cool. Uh, for me, over at my website, editvideofaster.com, Uh, I announced that I'm going to start uh, coaching uh, video editors. So I'm looking to take on a couple clients through the end of May. So if you're interested in that, head on over to editvideofaster.com and just uh, search coaching or coach. Uh, Hopefully in the next couple days I'll put a a Coach Me page up there. Um, So, yeah, that should be a good time. I'm ready for that to, to get going. What sort of coaching will you be getting into? Like, what sort of topics will you be brushing on? Um, really, whatever the the client or student, whatever you want to call them, uh, wants to. 
So if we want to get into like getting faster with Media Composer or just like workflow in After Effects or whatever, we can do that or we can, you know, talk about networking and getting out there and finding gigs. Um, I mean, really, it, it's whatever um, the person wants to approve upon. Hmm. So let's say someone reaches out to you and says, you know, Josh, I feel like they're I edit really slowly using the software that I'm using. So I would like you to teach me how to better utilize the program. Is that something that you'd, you'd be doing? Uh, yes. I mean, uh, Media Composer is my NLE of choice. So I can, for, for Final Cut X or Premiere, I can give tips on, on, on workflow and, you know, how to string out faster and do all that. But as for like keyboard shortcuts, uh, I'll be pretty limited in that capacity um, for the moment. I, I think I'm, I might be picking up another NLE soon, but we'll see. Oh, I see. Okay. Because I was curious when I saw your post about uh, yeah, announcing coaching and stuff like that. So I was curious and uh, yeah. Um, before we get into it, uh, Josh, there's one thing I wanted to, to mention beforehand. It's, it's not part of our usual programming, but uh, I, I think it uh, deserves a mention. Um, uh, I, uh, I follow this this uh, fellow, you may have heard him uh, heard his name before, uh, Michael Dorkman Scott. Do you know who that is? I do not. Okay. I do not. Okay. Can All right, just checking. Um, so Michael Michael Scott, not, not the character from The Office. Uh, Michael Scott is a uh, visual effects artist. In fact, you've probably seen him before. Uh, he's most well known for the Ryan versus Dorkman uh, fan made uh, videos from uh, years and years ago. They were, uh, he and his friend Ryan made fan films, uh, Star Wars lightsaber battles that they shot themselves and did all the visual effects for the lightsabers and the different force effect, uh, you know, force moves and stuff like that. Um, this was at a time when it wasn't very common to see this sort of material out there. It, uh, it went viral and uh, caught the eye of one George Lucas, actually. And uh, I believe, as the story goes, they were actually offered jobs on the Star Wars prequels, working doing visual effects. Um, and uh, anyways, he is, on top of being a very skilled visual effects artist, uh, uh, he's also a really awesome guy. Uh, very, very friendly. I had a, the, uh, the opportunity to meet him uh, a couple of years ago at a convention we were, we both sat on a visual effects panel and uh he's a very very uh, friendly person uh funny guy too but um some if you don't know who he is and you, you probably also don't know last year he was struck by a car and in a uh, pretty severe car accident and uh since then he's been recovering he was in critical condition for a while he was in a med medically induced coma um but uh, i've been tracking his progress as he gets better on, on the road to recovery for a little while because there's a facebook community up called uh, uh support uh, michael uh, michael scott and uh, or support dorkman scott rather that their family updates every day with how he's doing and today marked the first time since the accident that he actually got outside and walked on his own i think like assisted with a walker or something like that but he walked two blocks so it's really been it yeah to, to see him from gone from completely bedridden and unable to move any part of him whatsoever to slowly getting better. It's really been inspirational to see him 
getting better and to be having to be making the progress that he's been having. So, uh, anyways, I just wanted to put that out there and say he's reached a huge landmark today. Um, Mike, you're an awesome guy. I, you know, looking forward to seeing you up and around dancing and walking. I hope we get the chance to, t- to talk again. If you guys are interested in tracking his progress, uh, go head over to the Support Dorkman Scott community on Facebook. And there's also a GoFundMe uh, set up by his family to collect donations going towards his recovery expenses. Uh, they've raised, I think, like over $78,000 so far. But uh, um, anyways, yeah, it's uh, he's an incredible guy. Uh, so if you'd like to uh, you know, track his his. Uh, his progress and also leave some uh, comments that uh, his family does read to him then go ahead and go do that so there you go uh yeah just wanted to mention that so uh you never heard of michael michael scott before or any of the dorkman videos I, I i feel like after you explained it i have heard of him and the story a little bit but uh yeah off the top of my head uh i did not remember okay cool all right just want to take a couple minutes talk about him so let's move on uh which should we uh what should we talk about first we've got workarounds or we've got keeping your edit suite healthy which uh which do you think we should start with today uh let's do uh edit suite healthy i think that'll segue <laughs> nicely into the workarounds you go first nick okay <laughs> <laughs> all righty and uh also uh, as i've got some tips and things in here but uh, as always i you know want to hear you know uh what you uh you know, how you keep your edit suite healthy. So, uh, yeah, so this past week I've been having some having some difficulties, having some debates, some arguments with, with my significant other here, the Mac Pro Tower. Uh, as uh, I continue to keep pushing it with each job that I do, I keep on, I think I, I attempt to do uh, harder work with it than I probably should push it. But uh, uh it made me realize that I'm due for an upgrade, so I started looking at that this past week and uh, looking at uh, which machine I should be upgrading to. Because the, ma- the machine I got, by the way, I, I'm a Mac editor. I'm not sure uh, you're Mac or PC, but uh, uh, what I've got is the uh, Mac Pro Tower 2009 model, uh, so it is pretty old. I keep on replacing the parts every year, though. I am constantly re- uh, upgrading the components individually. Um I don't really stop with that. I think that's that's something I've always done, you know, since I was a kid. Like, I've always been looking for... As soon as I get the tower, I bring it home, and, and before I even have it plugged in, I'm thinking about, okay, what else should I get? You know, what what can I change on this? What's, what's the next level? Uh, you know, it, it dates back to the gaming systems I would get as a kid. As soon as I saved up enough to go get my Sega Genesis, I would bring it home, and my parents would say, great, are you excited? Like, yeah, now I can work to get, you know, towards getting a Sega CD. Like, that's the next thing. Like I, just, you know, I think that always irked them. Like you never be, never just be happy with what you have. Like no, no, no. There's always something else. So yeah, I always replace the components on my machine. But uh, uh, what uh, what do you work off of there, Josh? Uh, I have a 2012 MacBook Pro laptop that I mainly work off of. And uh, right now I'm talking on my 2013 iMac. Um, let me, let me look real quick, actually. What, what mm-hmm. year is it? Uh, <laughs> late 2012 iMac. And I'm finally running Yosemite on both of them. I waited forever. Hmm. Um, yeah, finally. Uh, I mean, I was running whatever two, like I skipped over Mavericks. So I was running whatever it was before Mavericks on both of these. Right. 
Um, so then leopard I, or? Yeah, yeah, something like that. One of those animals. Yeah. Um, so I do most of my editing off my MacBook Pro. And I finally broke down because, um, like, nothing, like, Safari wouldn't open, like, half the web pages anymore. I, I don't even know why. Um, and, yes, I love Safari. Uh, I use Safari. That's my web browser. Um, you know, like, uh, 6% of the world who does that. Um, it's not like it's, uh, you know, Internet Explorer. So, yeah, you're okay. Exactly. Yeah, that's going away anyway. Um, Is it going away? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they're, they're replacing it with something else. I forget what it's called. There's big news on... Uh, one of those tech websites a couple weeks ago. Um, oh, wow. But I finally, I broke down, upgraded to Yosemite, and then Media Composer stopped working because Media Composer wasn't compatible with the newest version of Yosemite, but then you can't, you know, like, downgrade back a couple versions, so I was kind of stuck in limbo Ugh. for a few weeks with Media Composer crashing every 10 minutes. Now, when, uh, you, when you upgrade your OS, though, do you back up, uh, do you uh, create a boot drive before you upgrade? No. I could see from your expression, you're going, no. Because <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I always hold out on upgrading my OS, uh, unless it's got some new confangled feature, which rarely really happens. Nothing really, it's, it's rare to get excited about an OS, really. But uh, even then, I'm rarely at a point in between projects where that's the safe point to upgrade your your OS. Mm -hmm. So each time I do, I always I buy a fresh drive that becomes my new boot drive and I back everything up just in case, you know, I upgrade and you know, everything goes to hell and all of a sudden I can't launch Premiere or I can't do any of the work I want to do. Uh, well, see, I'm pretty lucky in that. I mean, I have two different computers. So I, I upgraded my MacBook first. And so like if First, like if I couldn't open Media Composer at all, I still had my my iMac where I could still edit if need be. Mm -hmm. So I, yes, I got up and running finally with Yosemite on the MacBook Pro. So then I can update the iMac. So yeah. now I will not update for probably another two years. Yeah, that's just how it is. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, when it comes to uh, when it comes to like upgrading your machine and overall just keeping it in good health. Uh, keeping it keeping it up to date with the demands of uh, of your work, which seems to be that's most of the battle, uh, is just making sure that it's it's up to date as up to date as possible for you to do the work that you need to do. Uh, because you know nowadays with how fast new cameras with larger sensors are coming out and uh, with uh, it becoming much more common for camera camera crews to be shooting. Uh, you know, a, a, an abundance of raw footage. Uh, you know, the processing power you need your computer to be able to, to you know, wield just becomes, it's tough to always stay on top of that. Um, and uh, it just seems like it's its a never-ending battle, which is kind of fun for me, though. I like how it's, you know, it's, there is no end. Once you get something, it, it, it kind of sounds tiring that... Uh, you know, if you were to buy a brand new machine today, in six months, it might be what some people may call, you know, obsolete. You know, um, yeah. yeah what, uh, Moore, Moore's Law, didn't that just turn 50 years old? Moore's Law, really? That, oh. Yeah, yeah, I saw that the other day. Uh, I think it was 50. <laughs> it was one of those, you know, multiples of 10. I think it was 50 years old. Um, 
Yeah, so uh, if you don't know, and I hope I'm saying this right, uh, Moore's Law um, is essentially, uh, what, it, it half-lifes, um, like, the, the span of technology. So whatever your technology is, you know, for a year, it'll double in six months or something like that. Yeah, was it uh, the number of who what's its per per square inch on sensors and stuff like that? You know, he said that uh, they had they had doubled every year. Uh, yeah, can't remember. I'm not going to try and quote him, you know, word for word. Okay, I can't okay, okay. Oh wait, you got so, it. So thank you, Google. <laughs> the observation made in 1965 by Gordon Moore, co-founder of Intel, that the number of transistors per square inch on integrated circuits had doubled every year since the integrated circuit was invented. Moore predicted that this trend would continue for the foreseeable future. Until so essentially, your your technology is going to double every year. Yeah. So yeah. all the bitching and whining that some people make about how you know it's it's almost aggravating that the 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 speed of which uh new gear whether it be cameras or you know computers seem to go out of style uh you know but again yeah that is kind of aggravating and it kind of seems like something you just have to continue to dump money into just to stay on top of but uh it's also kind of the fun for me i'm a bit of a gearhead so i like you know i it's it's in a way it's kind of like uh, you know you never stop learning as an editor you need there are constantly new things that you need to teach yourself that you have to be up to snuff on just to you know still be relevant as a as a competent editor so in a way it's the same thing you still have to make sure that your edit suite is at the top of its game to do what you want it to do does it whoa that's a loud dog. I can hear that that's over, not mine for once. over my headphones. That's that's my neighbor. Um, but uh, uh, where was I? Yeah, it's it's not saying like as soon as the new thing comes out, you need to go out and get it. Like as soon as the new Mac Pro bucket computer came out, I didn't go running to go get it because I didn't need to. I'm you know I upgrade on a on a you know as needed basis. So uh, one of the things that I constantly am doing though. Uh, keeping my drives fresh and healthy. Uh, I'm going to be ballsy for a second. I'm going to knock on wood first. I've never had... I'm going to say this a little bit quietly so my other hard drives over here don't hear. I've never had a hard drive fail on me to the point where... the point of catastrophe. Like, I've never had a hard drive fail on me and had you know, a project or video files go kaput as in like they weren't backed up anywhere else and i'm proud to say that but that's because i buy hard drives like candy and i need to at least two copies of everything uh and i absolutely i, re I need to refresh drives you know as often as i can so there are no old drives that I work directly off of, that I rely on, because I know if they're more than a year or two old, they're not nearly as reliable and they don't last forever. So, yeah. yeah. So I I have had my one, let me knock on wood also, my one two terabyte uh, Phantom external USB 3 
hard drive for almost two years now. And that thing gets carried around with me on my book bag through the city, walking to the bus, under my feet, you know, getting kicked around every day. <laughs> and it's been two years and that thing, it's a monster. It, I mean, it still starts up every time. I love it. I back it up, you know, every week. I'll do I'll do a fresh copy of, you know, the whole two terabytes to an extra drive that I have. Um, but I've been really lucky, uh, that, that if, uh, for my money, I, I'm buying the phantom hard drives. They're, they're black. Don't buy the green drives, even though they're silver, they're called green drives. Yeah. I've had plenty of those fail on me, but the black drives for some reason, I mean, they're so reliable, at least for me, I've never had one fail. Well, the green ones, they're, those are the energy conservative ones, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah sissy drives. No. <laughs> I think I made the mistake of loading up uh, my first RAID array that I had. I got a uh, four or five drive enclosure and spent more money. On, uh, spent a lot of money on the enclosure, so I thought I would save money by buying green drives. And it wasn't the smartest move, uh, just because the, the speed that uh, they work off of is not nearly as fast. Uh, but yeah, and I also, uh, you know, it's a common, uh, it's a commonly advised that uh, every uh, I do this every six months. And usually, like I usually have to because I have to go looking for something on my old drives. I take all my old drives down, throw them into, you know, I take my, my external drives, plug them in. I take my internal drives, throw them into the toaster, and do a scan of them. You know, get the drives spinning, make sure that they're working, everything's, you know, everything's clicking and whirring, you know, correctly, and then uh, put them back on the shelf. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a huge tip. Uh... And I'll even recommend like doing it every month or two, uh, starting up all of your hard drives because uh, those fans and everything inside they need to spin, you know, every thirty to sixty days, you know, just just so you know dust doesn't get caught up in them and and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So it's just good good habit. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I do monthly as well, people, I'm I'm a selective neat freak. If you take a look at the rest of my apartment, you'd think, you'd think me a slob. You know, take a look at my bedroom, it's a disaster. But that's because, you know, my bedroom is a place that I only use for, like, sleeping, and that's it. So, you know, I'm so rarely in there. The places that I'm in, you know, I'm using, stop smiling. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you smiling. You sick bastard, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, my office, I use all the time. I, you know, I work out of here so that is a is an important place for me to be in so i have to keep this place tidy it gets to a point of chaos where there's just post-it notes and hard drives and other crap all over the desk and then once a month clean the whole thing off and that means i play some music i unplug the tower i take some compressed air blast that sucker out uh dust everything wipe down the monitors and that a i think improves the uh Overall, it's just a good maintenance thing to do for your computer and your workspace, but also B, clears all the clutter, resets everything so that you yourself can work a little bit better. I like working with an empty, more or less empty desk. So actually right now, it's looking very crowded around here, so I may do that pretty soon. Uh, how, how many folders and icons and files are sitting on your desktop <laughs> right, right now? now and. Uh, Right now, there's about a dozen, which is about 11 far too many for me. 
and uh, mm -hmm. I actually have a folder that always stays on there uh, that I call Pandora's box. And that for me is if anything lingers on my desktop for a few days, if it's a file that, you know, a document or a video or whatever, um, if I haven't touched it for a few days, it goes into Pandora's box. And about once a month, I open up Pandora's box and look through everything and I get brutal with, you know, what I keep and what gets logged away somewhere. So just to make sure that the desktop stays clear. I like that. Uh, I, I have a handful of folders that I like to keep on my desktop just for quick access. So, like, I have, I have, you know, my, my Josh folder, uh, which is like all my personal stuff and side projects and whatnot. Um, so, like, st stuff for this podcast I keep in there. And, I mean, that has, you know, 75 folders all, you know, laid out. Um, but then um, for Camtasia, which I use for screen capturing, um, I like to keep the recordings on my desktop and the projects on my desktop because I, I do go in there a ton. And for Sorensen Squeeze compression software, I have a squeeze input and a squeeze output folder um, that so I can just pop them open from my desktop and then move all those files to where they need to go. So generally, that's only thing the only things on my desktop um, when, when I get when I get real busy. Uh, those random files start to build up and they stress me out like like none other. Hmm. Uh, do you do you use anything to uh, you know once your drives are starting to fill up in order to make space? Uh, are there any programs or anything that you use to declutter your drives? Uh, yeah, it's called the trash can. <laughs> um, but for the things that I cannot delete, I have a couple spare hard drives where. I'll move those non-essential projects over to. Hmm. Uh, I'm at the, uh, there's this, I think it's free. I've had it for so long, I can't remember if I paid money for it or not, but it's called Disk Inventory X, which is uh, a handy app that uh, uh, once you launch, you select the drive and it uh, gives you a complete layout of, uh, you know, how much, uh, you know, what's taking up space on your particular drive. So that I can easily go through, and if I need to make space, for instance, on my scratch drive, then I can quickly go in, find out, okay, what's the biggest, what's the biggest folder here? Uh, what needs to go? Uh, trash some stuff and archive some other things, and then clear up space right away. So, which I think I open almost every other day because I'm obsessively going through looking for stuff to to back up and clear off my drive. All right. Uh Cool. I, uh, I'll take a peek at it. Not going to promise I'll use it, but I'll take a peek. <laughs> uh, and uh, there was uh, one other thing I wanted to mention. Well, uh, I was going to say it always looks in keeping your computer up to speed and keeping it healthy, uh, upgrading it when necessary. Uh, it I was going to say it also looks good to clients. So not only is it, of course, just common sense, it's good you know, good for you to keep uh, to keep productive and keep doing the work that you want to do. But uh, I like my clients to know that I'm doing what I can to maintain this machine. A, so that they know where the where uh, okay, the, you know, some of what I charge goes towards upkeep. So it's not all going to my pocket. You're you're not you're not paying for my vacation. Oh, there's expenses that go along with this work, and so that's where this money goes. 
but uh, also whenever I get something new, I like to geek out and tell, you know, if I have a client in and I usually tell them something that they don't understand and uh, say like, oh, I just got this, you know, I've got this like USB three card. It's going to, you know, it uh, goes lightning fast. I'm able to, you know, plug my toaster in now and use the eSATA cable like at bad speed. And they kind of just look at me and go, oh, okay, yeah, sure, sure. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, but yeah, sounds good. So it, I think it, it looks good in the client's eyes though, to know that uh, you're doing what you can to stay on top of your game and, uh, you know, keep your machine healthy. So. And I couldn't agree more. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, I think that was uh, more or less it for me for that. You know, there are many other things that I do, but uh, you know, overall, most of the parts that I put into this machine, I kind of set a, I have a lifespan that I remember for each thing that I buy, whether it be camera gear, whether it be parts for my computer, I in my head, um, every, usually between one to two years is when I start thinking about, you know, all right, I should probably sell this you know uh sell my ram and upgrade to new ram or uh you know if it's a piece of uh, camera equipment like i should probably sell this lens and upgrade to another one a because you know you could it uh, likely still has resale value so that's when you can rather than just using your gear until you grind it down into the dust it's uh, a good chance to still get some of the money back that you you know invested into it and put that towards investing into the next big thing so plus you uh, sell your gear before it crashes on you <laughs> yes well uh i did i did my my uh professional growing up in a non-profit so um they run their gear to the ground <laughs> um so that that's that's kind of how i do things now um <laughs> So speaking of that, running things to the ground, like you're, um, I guess we, we can segue into uh, to my topic, which is working around uh, workarounds. Um, so as you delay, you know, all your drives failing and crashing, and your OSX or your operating system being out of date, uh, you're gonna have to do workarounds. Like no matter what, it's gonna happen. Like there are very few times where I'll have a project where it just all goes according to plan. I open up Media Composer, all the shots that I got out there, they import in just fine. I can edit it, no big deal, export it off, and we're good. That doesn't happen, ever, maybe <laughs> once. Um, and then you forget about it because you're too busy doing a workaround for something else. So um, I would say, especially if you're a new editor, just be prepared um, that a lot of your projects, uh, you're probably going to learn something each time. Uh, learn how to do this or that. Um, like uh, today, or the past couple of days, um, I had to do 4x3 video, but at HD resolution. Kind of weird. So, <laughs> like, I'm sure I could figure out in Media Composer, which is what I usually edit in, like I've said a million times. Um, but I, I was kind of in a time crunch and I didn't feel like trying to figure it out. So I jumped into After Effects because I know I can make a comp at 1440 by 1080, which is HD at 4 by 3. So I did that. And I know After Effects isn't for editing. So get put down the pitchforks and, uh, you know, the fires. Um, but 
all I was, I'm putting clips with voiceover and a little bit of color correction, which is fine to do in After Effects. So I knew that, and all I really had to do was just uh, position the shot in there, because I did have to shoot it at 1920 by 1080, because I'm not figuring out how to do that on my camera that I pick up once every three weeks. Um, yeah, and, and, and it worked. And I was able to get it out of there, get it in media encoder, and then figure out in media encoder how to get it at 1440 by 1080. So it worked, and, and, and it's a workaround. Um, and I would say it's really important to know the workarounds and remember them, hmm. um, especially in like a, a multi-editor environment. Like it, I'm not saying competition, but at least like job security, it's always good to be the person who knows how to do things. So um, back I used to uh, run the our, our studio. So with, with the studio, I mean, there was a million things that you had to do. And I figured out, you know, the, the proper way to go turn everything on because everything was like, you know, eight years old. So the teleprompter wouldn't turn on until the switcher was on. But the switcher wouldn't, uh, the, the, the mixer wouldn't get the audio feed unless the switcher was on first. And there were all these things that went into it. Like, literally, there, there was 15 different little tiny things you had to remember. And I've, I even wrote it down for people and, like, printed it out, stuck it on the board. But, like, people just didn't want to learn it. So that made me so valuable that I was the only one who knew all the workarounds. Well, you what you're talking about really is problem solving, which is such an important skill to have. And you're right. And it, I could totally tell how... If you are known as the person who uh, the person who is so excellent at problem solving, you're probably more likely to be mistaken for the person who really just knows how to do everything. You know, so people often mistake pro uh, problem solving skills for just straight up skills. Like this person just knows how to do everything. Um, so yeah, and I I enjoy that part of the job more than anything because I love it when people come to me with something I've never done before. Now, here's the thing, though. If someone comes to you, let's say a client, you know, uh, you know, a client comes to you and says, you know, we'd like to do, we'd like to try this, and it's something that you've never done before. Uh, do you tell them that's experimental? I'm not sure. Like I've never done that before, so I'd like to try it. Or do you say with more, with some confidence, like, yeah, yeah, we can do that. Meanwhile, thinking in your head, I'm gonna have to figure this out. So, uh, I mean, I would say it would depend on the client. I am more, I'm very open to being honest about things I know and things I don't know and expectations. Um, and if I don't know how to do something uh, and, and I know that it'll probably take me a little bit of time to figure out, if I can figure it out, I will let them know. But, um, but if I think, oh yeah, I got this. Then, then, then I'll keep that to myself. <laughs> See, and again, knock on wood, I'm more likely. There we go. I'm more like unless it's I'm, unless it's something I'm absolutely not sure of, and it's not something I want to take a risk on, uh, claiming that I can do it and you know messing something up or uh, it, basically straight up lying. And you mm -hmm. know, so I, I rather than lie to a client. Uh, if it's something that I confidently know I could figure out, 
but I haven't done it before, then I'm more likely to say, to dig myself into a little bit of a hole by saying, yeah, no problem, I can do that. And then after they've left, I immediately then start researching how to do that. So uh, thankfully to this day, again, haven't had any issues because it uh, usually it's, it's, you know, Google's at your fingertips. It's so easy to connect with other, uh, you know, other like-minded individuals and learn what you need to do to get the job done. So you just have to be confident that you can figure it out. Yeah, I, I got your back, Nick. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I like yeah the, the idea of uh, you know you know workarounds and you know problem solving is obviously an important skill. Uh, what was the last workaround that you had to figure out at your job? Um, <clears throat> well, I mean well, that was that was that was this week. The four by three, okay. Yeah, yeah the four by three. Oh, what else? What else? Uh, g- give me a minute. You go first. Actually, hold on. Uh, <laughs> what's your most? Because I know that once once we discover a workaround, once we solve a problem, even if it doesn't impress the client or the boss, you know, it, it fluffs your own feathers a little bit. So I know it, it's gonna make you feel pretty good that like ah, even if no one else notices, I fixed that shit. So what was? You yeah, think about that for a second. What was your yeah, most? Uh, all right. I I don't remember what it was. But I know I was struggling with something. Uh, it was just like uh, it was like a Camtasia uh, file, like a screen capturing file. Like it wouldn't work on someone else's computer, and like I some I, I figured it out, and then I just ran over to to my CEO's office, walked in, I just gave him a high five, and <laughs> walked right out, and and like he didn't know what was going on. <laughs> But I, I, I felt good because I figured the damn thing out. It does feel good, even though even if no one else really knows. Um, I there was a term that I coined only for myself, really, and, and for the, the people I worked with on the for uh, the post team at the time for this project. Uh, there was a web series that uh, uh, I worked on many years back called uh, Mind's Eye, and that was a year of straight up learning experience. Uh, like I don't, I don't think I did anything else that year. I probably lost friends and I, and my family fell out of touch with me because this project just took over our lives. We had no idea really what we were doing. We totally learned as we went along. And it was even a case of, uh, uh, I was the DOP for it. I was not supposed to be involved in post at all. We had a visual effects team lined up. And by the time we were like a week away from wrapping, the visual effects team left. They got an offer for another job and uh, took off. So I'm not sure how this happened, but pretty quickly people on the people on the production said like, oh, we don't know who's gonna do visual effects. We don't know who's gonna do visual effects. Nick will do visual effects. Nick will do visual effects. And I'd never done any of this crap before, but that was at a time where I was really confident with, yeah, you know what? I, I, I know After Effects well enough. I can figure out how to do this stuff. So. I became in charge of visual effects, but that was each week we're putting out a new episode, which as soon as the episode launched, we would like just get it out on time and then have five seconds to go, whew, glad that one's done. Next one. And we would just kill ourselves for the next week getting the next episode out. Uh, so many learning experiences, problem solving to the extreme. 
and I uh, like you I can't remember the exact circumstances that John that there was something wrong with the uh, the clip that I was exporting from After Effects that was being imported into the uh, the edit product file Vegas Vegas was being used to, to edit it oh that, my that was your problem right there I know Ah, the editor was so stubborn though like the those dead set on Vegas. Vegas is awesome. Ugh. But uh, I, I agree. If we had been on anything else, probably like half the problems would have been solved. But anyways, there was something really weird. The files, uh, the exports going from After Effects into the Vegas project file, like the most random issues would occur. Uh, and anyways, there was one common effect that always seemed to happen. The frame rate we later on determined that uh, it was actually uh, an import setting in Vegas that set this off. But uh, we didn't know that at the time. So I had to find a, find a workaround. Like so there was something I had to do to the visual effects clips, the settings, the export settings to allow them to be imported properly into Vegas. I can't remember what I did, but it was, I remember I experimented forever about it and tried everything that I thought should work. Like, this should work, and then it didn't. And after I exhausted all of those, I tried a setting that I thought, this is, like, I know this is not the proper way to do it. But used that setting, and it worked. So the, the phrase that was coined after that was, when all else fails, swim towards the shark. So if you're in the water, and you see a shark fin coming at you, the, the, you know, the natural instinctual response should be swim away from it to, to get away, to avoid it. But uh, when you just can't avoid it, then turn right towards it and swim towards the shark and see what happens. So try the unconventional workaround just to see if it, uh, it might be something that ends up working. So. Not a bad phrase. I like that. <laughs> It was probably it was said in some very sleepy, uh, sleep deprived stupors. So it probably makes less sense now that uh, you know uh, we're not in post of that project. But uh, it it was it got said quite a bit. Have you seen the movie Frank? No, I haven't even heard of it. What is it? Oh, dude, you gotta see it. Oh, you were talking about like like losing a year. Oh, it, it was big at I think it was Sundance or. Or one of the film festivals last year. I believe it's on Netflix. I don't remember if I watched it on Netflix or HBO. If it's on HBO, I think it's gone by now. But if it's on Netflix, it should still be there. It's called Frank. You have to see it. It's a it's like it, it's it's a dark comedy. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I think I think you'd be into it. <laughs> uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal is in it. It, a, a guy just wears this giant wooden head, um, and they're a band. I don't want to say anything else. Just that, eh? That's yep. What, that's what I got to go on. Okay. Well. Yep. All right. You you check out Disc Inventory X. I'll check out Frank. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> like YouTube the YouTube a trailer for it. If you see the trailer and you don't want to see this movie, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> Oh, cool. All righty. Uh, so there we go. That uh, Was there anything else that we wanted to cover for uh, for any of those segments there, for workarounds or for keeping your edit sweet in shape? 
I don't think so. I'm running out of beer. <laughs> and I'm out of coffee. And uh, I have got to uh, still get in my... Uh, I, I'm on a five-day-a-week uh, workout plan right, ta- right now, and it's killing me. Uh, probably because I keep going at midnight. To <laughs> That, that is prime sleeping hours, except for I have to record a tutorial after this. That's right. You have to stay up extra late tonight. Right. Oh. So there we go, guys. We got some tips for how to keep your edit sweet in shape and also how to problem solve and uh, you know, find some workarounds for your work. Uh, hope you guys have enjoyed that episode in particular. If you have, you know what would really be helpful, it helps out the podcast quite a bit if you're a fan of us, is to go on over to our iTunes page and leave us a review by leaving us a review uh, and uh, leaving a four or five star rating. Uh, It uh, helps us get a little bit more exposure on iTunes. And plus, we'd like to hear what you guys think of the show. Uh, I swear, any iTunes review that you leave, uh, whether it be five words or 500, we'll even speak them on air. So uh, not saying that you have to leave us a five star review. It could be whatever you like, but, uh, you know, be creative. Hell, if you make it, you know, if you make your review, uh, you know, rhyme like a Dr. Seuss rhyme, hell, we'll be, I'll be so impressed. That would, be, that, would, that, would, that would put me on the top of the world. All right, so your, your job is to impress Nick with your reviews. Nick has to watch Frank, and I'm going to try and get by without yeah. any homework. And you, you, need, you need another beer. Yes. Yes. So, if you like, uh, if you'd enjoyed this podcast and you like hear what you uh, what you've been hearing so far, then you can always let us know also on the Twitterverse at uh, Command Edit, uh, or you can email us at uh, Command Edit Podcast at Gmail dot com. Uh, All right, man. Well, I, I never remember the episode number. What this was six? This was episode six. Yep. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening, Command Edit Podcast, episode six. Out. Out.